You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey, Rifters. Welcome to the show. Uh, we got a great show. A great John Huck is going to be here from Comedy Central, Last Comic Standing, and my personal favorite show, Punk. Uh, John Huck's going to be here. Uh, Alan Lee said he was going to be here, but I don't think he's going to be here because I told him Victor is going to be here and they're going to yeah. fight to the death for the trusty sidekick position. And Alan's like, all right, if my alarm wakes me up, Victor's going to get a fight. <sighs> so glad I didn't have to stoop to that low. Yeah. We could just go with a good show. I'm we just could just go with for a good show. But, uh, but, uh, Victor says I look like the autistic Tim Dillon for the folks at home. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I didn't say you look like the autistic yeah. Tim Dillon. I said you should hit up Tim Dillon to get him on your podcast and say that you are the autistic Tim Dillon. Oh, right, 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 right. Not that I you say, look I, like I just, I just ring him on the telephone, right? Ring, ring, ring. What do you want? Oh, no, is that Tim Dillon? Oh, hey, this is Keith Reza. I don't know if you know me, but uh, people think I I look like you and I'm autistic, too. You know, I don't know if you are, but uh, I'm the gay, (laughs) great autistic Tim Dillon, if you ever want to do Razor Rifts. No, I hate my aunt. Keith, no joke, if you really wanted to, you could do Tim Dillon impersonations that make fun of him, and you could probably get him on your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that's so fucking funny. Oh, my God. Dude, uh, you'd be offended, too. You, you're offended. It's, I didn't think you were going to bring it up. You're like, okay, we're, we're going to do opening remarks. But uh, <laughs> it's like, it's like you know, it's funny because you usually throw me under the bus. You just threw yourself under the bus. And I'm just like, okay, cool. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, man. I'm like, I, I know, figured it was time there, for man. a change of pace. <laughs> well, let's do it, bro. Let's, let's uh, just throw the fucking host under the bus instead of the sidekick. Yeah. Or the guest. Yeah. Uh, no, no. We have to, like, exemplify the guest. Yeah. And, Make them feel at home and welcomed, and then I always feel like you sucker punch these guys in the gut and gals in the gut sometimes. Like, okay, who the fuck is this guy? Or like, oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Your guest, your guest are like, who the fuck is this guy? When I, when I'm on, like, uh, remember when certain somebody was on with their agent, and it's like, who the fuck is that guy? And it's just like they're probably thinking that about me too. Actually, that was a woman. Yeah, yeah, like, because you were, you were about to offer him drugs, and his agent was on the, was, right? <laughs> allegedly. Right, um, allegedly. Right. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. So that, that's my favorite word, allegedly. So, that covers a broad spectrum of... I want to tell this story because I think it's pretty cool, even though you don't know who he is. So Dave Thomas just emailed me. And he said he'll do raise a risk, the great Dave Thomas. And I wrote this guy on on the on his website, but I feel like this was like a fake guy, like not a real guy. You know what I mean? Like I feel like this was Dave Thomas's. E- I feel like this was Dave Thomas's email address, but he was hiding behind another guy. 
You know what I mean? Because so it's like, too good to be true, right? Yeah, yeah. Because his okay. first email says, I just spoke to Sammy Bernard Jr. 4, and I would love to do your podcast. That's awesome, man. But hold on a second. For the people at home who don't know this, <laughs> he thought that a very verified Instagram account belonging to Molly Shannon was, was, fucking, was fucking with Keith. Just, just, just to scroll around, and it's like Keith—you can't fake a verified account. It's either verified or it's not. But if it's verified, it's the real deal. Unless it gets hacked, but they're yeah. not gonna hack you. They're not gonna hack a major, a, a celebrity, SNL alumni, to yeah. ask you a norm-related question, which you would answer from the heart, no matter what. You know, because you want to keep keep everything as pure and as, as, as authentic as possible. So, you know, the I great that. John Huck is in the waiting room. We should let him in. Uh, absolutely. Uh, all right. I got the burps, man. You ever get the burps? Yeah, man, it's bad. Well, like when you get hiccups and stuff, like, holy Lord, the great John Huck is here. What's up guys. How are you, man? Good man, how are you? Doing, I'm do, doing good. Uh, this is the trusty sidekick, Victor. Victor, how are you, man? Great. Yourself? How you doing, John? Good, good, good. So, John, uh, we finally, we finally got yeah. you on the. Dude, Zoom sorry about show. that. Last time, I was uh, uh, everything was like happening at once, and I didn't put it in my calendar right away, and right. I just uh, lost track of it. Oh, I see you're you're drinking a cup of Joe. What is that? Coffee, hot chocolate? It's coffee. Oh, just nice. Black. Yeah. Just black. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's always that 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 joke where people say, "Hey, you like your coffee? How you like your women?" You know, you ever hear that joke? Oh yeah. Yeah. That wasn't that like, that started on the movie Airplane. Yeah. With Lee, with what's his name, Liam Nelson? No, Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nelson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Liam Nelson. <laughs> Taken, <laughs> taken, naked gun, three and a half taken. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. But no, I, I, I like my copy, like the old SNL joke, two creams and one sugar. The old SNL joke. Yeah, that was an old SNL joke. You... I guess I don't know that one. Oh, it was a bad <laughs> SNL joke if you don't know it. But hey, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. How, how, how was your gig on Saturday? Mm. It was a lot of fun, actually, man. It was a lot of fun. Have you ever uh, you ever done the rec room? Yeah, I helped book it. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I was actually supposed to go for the 10 o'clock show, but I, I got this thing called COVID. Oh, no. Really? Yeah. So ah. I'm isolating. Like, dude, and when you have COVID, first of all, I, I feel like this could be my last week alive. So congratulations for being the last guest. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you feel good. <laughs> no pressure. But I feel like, because uh, like I'm isolating from my entire family. I feel like my family hates me. You know, like I come downstairs to use the bathroom. They're like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> How many people are in your family? Uh, I have a mom, a dad, a sister, another sister, and a dog. So all under the same roof? 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. But I feel like my dog just fucking hates me now because they won't let me touch him, you know? So, Can dogs get it? I don't know, but, like, they're they're very superstitious and stuff. I don't know about superstitious. Yeah. Oh my God, Steve, yeah. I think I think dogs could get it because my dog got a vaccine for COVID before me or my wife. So it's like how does how does this dog have her vaccine before oh, wow. us? But she got it. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> And you get dogs sick, man. One time my, my wife had strep throat and she gave it to our dog and oh. nine hundred dollars later it was really Oh, and like twenty two twenty two to twenty five uh dog or uh private vet, hospitals, everything. Nobody was taking new customers or new new patients. It was heart-wrenching. Oh, man. <laughs> See, that's why I want a cat, because I could get the cat sick and not care about it. I got a cat. I would be devastated if I got my cat sick. <laughs> All right. I'm 0 from 2 today. Yes, excellent. <laughs> so cats are cool, man. Cats are yeah, fun. I love cats. You... I, mean, I was just making a bad cat joke. I mean, jeez. <laughs> They call me Catman. Like I have so many cats. It's. But, uh, I actually, uh, I actually played a guy named Catman in a TV show once. That was just a dude who went around like swiping cats and like yeah. rescuing them. Oh, how much did you get paid for that one? Oof! It was. I love to discuss my paychecks. That's a oh, good. Yeah. That's a great. Let's get right into that. <laughs> I'm just saying that seems like a great payday. It was a YouTube show. It was like. Uh, what was it called? Like, not Clarissa explains it all because that was a TV show from a long time ago. But it was something <laughs> Liza delivers or something like that. Oh yeah. Oh nice. Now, John, do you, do you think like uh, because you're you're one of the only comics I know that that goes on headlining uh, weeks during during these tough times? You know what I mean? Like, is that easy for you? Um, no, and actually, I, this is. I've just started to get back out there, you know? Oh, really? um, yeah. Yeah. I, I 2020 was pretty much a wash except for me. The very beginning, I was out on the road a lot, uh, February and early March and then, uh, nothing. And then just a few shows here and there in, in 2021, like towards the end. Yeah. And, uh, then this year getting back out there, you know, and yes, I get it that the numbers are high and it's not exactly over. Um, but I feel like if I wear my mask on the airplane, if I wear my mask in the airport, if I, you know, I'm vaccinated, I have a booster. Um, Me too, I, man. I, I, I'm as safe as I could be. Yeah, I know. And yeah. then people are still getting it, right? So yeah. um, I just try to be as safe as I can be. And, and I try to only do shows that are going to sort of care about their staff and like, yeah. do, you know, do the right thing by all them. Yeah. I remember when the when the first lockdown happened, because like my career, I've always had trouble selling out. You know what I mean? When the first yeah. lockdown it happened, they said, okay, we're going to open up for 25 capacity percent capacity. I'm like, all right, back to yeah. business. That's what I thought. I thought I was like, that's what I was like, Oh great. It's going to look like a full house. Like, <laughs> sorry, this is all the tickets. We, we can only give out these 10 tickets. So thanks for being here guys. So, yeah. I don't, I don't sell out. I don't sell out at all. It's a, uh, it's a it's a stark like i i do i feature for uh, a comic named dan cummins a lot and yeah. he he is on fire so like his crowds are you know he's selling out theaters yeah. so i do that with him and it's like yeah that's your crowd and then i go off and do my own thing i'm like here we go back to reality <laughs> do you do you still work with harlan 
every once in a while. I haven't for a little while. Um, probably not since 2019. But yeah. um, we've been we've talked about working out some dates here and there. So I hope yeah. that uh, that'll happen again. He's such a fun dude to work with. I remember you were telling me you got that job because you met him at an audition. We were at we were at we were both auditioning for the same part in Sebastian Maniscalco's pilot. Yeah. He had a pilot with like I want to say NBC. I'm sure he's had a few. He's the kind of guy I can see networks throwing money at, seeing what'll stick, you know, because he's got that he's a he's a very relatable, very funny, ball busting kind of guy. So but the we were both in the hallway essentially just sitting in chairs and he walked into an empty office and sat down and so i went in and did my audition and when i was leaving i i saw him and i was like oh you got a job here already like, is that how is that how long you've been waiting and he he didn't even like miss a beat he like picked up the phone he's like yeah come on in have a seat and i sat down and he's like so and he starts asking me all these questions about if i were to work there like if he would hire me you know and we just we just started doing a little bit of that and then i was like you know because i i hadn't worked with him before but i was very early on when i started doing stand-up he made he showed up at a, a show i was at and went on last you know and it was a big deal at the time like i i wasn't doing shows where people were popping in you know yeah and, uh, he was just he was i just mentioned that to him and talked about how nice he was even back then and we we laughed about some shit. And then i was like hey you know if you just on the off chance you ever need a feature um because i had just started emailing people that i thought were my buddies and right. being like hey i'm trying to get out on the road more i could use some feature work none of those people got back to me right um dan cummins harlan williams got back to me immediately so yeah. um yeah and it's and harlan works with a bunch of different people you know he's got whoever he i'm sure feels like having with him on the weekend he'll just he'll hire but uh, I was lucky enough to get to do multiple shows with the man last couple of years. Do, do you think like that's kind of because like I know what that's like where you do a show and like you go on last like for and like someone big is on the show. But then like I know a lot of comics who are on that show, like say if you do Harvell's in Long Beach or something and you do your set. And then, for example, say, oh, Jeff Garcia showed up and he did 10 minutes. The comics on that show will be like, "Hey, I just fucking opened up for Jeff Garcia," and they use Look, that as a credit. And Jeff's have, like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" I have seen people use credits that would uh, people. I, I knew someone who was in the audience of Biggest Loser, right? <laughs> and use that as because the camera panned the audience for like a, a shot, but use that. Like when people would bring him on stage, you might recognize this guy from Biggest Loser. <laughs> and of course, everyone's like, mm, I don't think I don't think so. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't even I don't even like when people say things I was legitimately in because I'm in them for such a brief amount of time. Right. That there, there was like, you might remember this guy from Superstore. I'm like, nobody remembers me from nobody. Nobody <laughs> remembers me. OK. <clears throat> <clears throat> they're looking at me they go you kind of look like a guy i kind of know like they think they've seen me in a thing or they think i'm chris elliott or they think i'm brian Posehn. but like very rarely are they like oh yeah <clears throat> i remember that guy season <laughs> season two episode six it's like what <laughs> i'm not like was, the star uh... of any of these shows i don't have recurrings i'm just like in these little bit tiny things and it's like i like doing that it's what i it's what i've done 
trying to yeah. do more of, but but to say that people would remember me from it is really giving people a lot of credit with what they're doing <laughs> with their memory. I uh, I was binge watching Ozark, you know. Oof! Don't and, spoil it. I haven't watched the end yet. Yeah, but uh, I'm been I was binge watching it because I got COVID. And I thought for sure for the first season you were in it. And I was telling my mom, I was like, "That's my friend. That's John Huck." No, was one of the Hicks, one of the Hicks. Yeah. Yeah. But he was like one of the bad, bad Hicks. Like he was in all the, I was like, I'm about to interview him on Razor Wrist. My parents don't even believe I have a podcast. But so, yeah. They just think you're up in your room yelling at people. Yeah. (laughs) Nothing's plugged in. Just leave him be. He has COVID. Don't talk to him. That's exactly. You have been talking to my mom. <laughs> they called me. To, they asked me if I could get them tickets to the next taping of Ozark. <laughs> Filmed in front of a live studio audience. They're just using no. you so they could use that as a credit. <laughs> we talked to our son. He interviewed the guy from Ozark, so we were on Ozark. <laughs> you might remember this nuts set of parents from a podcast. Uh the, the Ozark podcast, the fans. I'm sure there is one. I'm, I'm sure, sure there is, is too, yeah. man. There has to be one. There's a, it's, at this point, it's it's like, um, you know, when there used to be a magazine for everything, now there's yeah. like a YouTube video for everything and a podcast for everything. Well, see, that was what I was going to ask you, because like when podcasts first came around, I remember you were one of the big guests, like you were always doing them. You know what I mean? And now there's everyone and their mother has them. Like, oh, how- I mean, I don't know that I was like a, a, a big guest anywhere. <laughs> but I saw you at LA Talk Radio at least because th- that's where the oh. show used to do it. I saw you there at least twice a month. Well, was that was that because um, uh, there was a guy who had a show on the radio, like a sports show. And I would right. go sit in there like every couple of weeks. He would have me and a couple other comics sit in and just kind of you know, shoot the shit about sports or whatever. I've done a bunch of that kind of stuff, but I never as a, a big guest or a get, you know, just more like, Hey man, we got a, we got a free chair and a microphone. (laughs) If you want to talk into it about whatever, you know, baseball or hockey or whatever sport was happening at the time. But I, I I liked, I like the, the, when podcast first started, I was a little bit wary. It was kind of like when, when any of this new social media, platforms would start like i saw myspace and i was like eh, that's weird and then i right. sort of started an account but like kind of try to keep myself hidden in a way and then facebook got popped and i was like oh man another thing and then you know twitter and i was like what is this face and then it was like uh instagram and then you know it, it's it's very i'm very weary of all this stuff kind of like what are these platforms for like <clears throat> you know when they start they're just one thing and they morph into this other thing and podcasts i was like who's how many opinions do we need? Like how many people do we need to listen to? When right. People kept asking me if I was going to do a podcast. I was like, I don't, what do I have to say that isn't already being said? You know, yeah. <clears throat> it turns out nothing, but <clears throat> I like to hear myself talk. No, I, I did a podcast with a, a comic that was like sports based and that was easy. Cause he did. I, I always tell whoever I was, if I'm co-hosting with somebody, I will say like my strengths are not in the tech aspect. I don't know anything about the technical, like I can't do a podcast on my own. I need somebody else there, you know, to do everything. <laughs> you need you need a victor. 
I don't know. It looks like Victor's sitting in his car. So I don't know if, like, uh, is he driving away from the podcast? What, Victor, yeah, what, what I don't know. I think he's your... trying to. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, I'm enjoying this. Are you kidding you're like me? Out, I'm really you're out in just, Keith's I'm parking lot. Fuck. I'm just outside. No, you're I'm out outside. in his driveway. <laughs> he's out my driveway because I have COVID. I said, yeah. hey, you can't come in. But I can run these cables out to you. <laughs> We had, I was doing a, uh, <clears throat> I did a podcast called Speaking Highly for a couple episodes during the, during the pandemic. And, and it was when, you know, you didn't want to touch anybody or you didn't want anyone to come over to your house. And, and the guy, like the producer of the podcast dropped off all the gear into like this bucket that I lowered down off my balcony. And right. I just like pulled it up and like, I was getting like groceries put, brought in and out. And my weed was delivered that way. I was like, oh, this is great. Cause my balcony is like right up front. So I just go out, stand there, throw the bucket down and. Pull it up. And then yeah. Crazy. I, I used to do this job. I think it was like uh, Instacart or Postmates or something. And you, what you would do is you would pick up people's shit and you would deliver it to their house. And I used to hate people who lived in like apartments that were like four stories high and you couldn't park. Oh. You know what I mean? So I just usually just left it on the sidewalk and text them and be like, go get it. Yeah, at, at a certain point, though, to me, that's acceptable. Like, I can't expect you to get out of your car, come up four flights of stairs. For a $2 like, tip. Well, exactly. I did feel we did have everything delivered at the beginning, you know, and we but we were very generous about it because we knew how shitty it must have been to be out there, you know. Right. I, want, I wanted to ask you about your experience on uh, Last Comic Standing because I saw you there. And I saw you do your set and seemed like uh, it was a bad experience for you. Yeah, I would say it was a bad experience for me. It was actually I wouldn't say bad because when you look at all that stuff in hindsight, it's very funny. You know, right. Um, <clears throat> last comic standing wouldn't have changed my life, you know, uh, and it was comical the way the show is it's it's different every incarnation you know like <clears throat> when it first started it was almost like a competition reality show right they would have to go well, out when and do jay when jay and... did it like it was in, they were in the house right yeah yes they were in the house for like two seasons they did it that way right like um i can't yeah. remember the dat fan was the first winner and then somebody that else was a huge season. surprise um actually i saw that sort of called out episode one by doug stanhope Oh really? <laughs> yeah, I I was I was working on the Man Show as an associate producer when Doug and Joe were the hosts. Oh. And uh, oh wow. The night that show was premiering, we were shooting something on a stage, and Doug was the guy we were shooting with. And he, he was like, "Hey, do you want to get send the PAs for some beers and watch this last comic standing?" And I was like, "I was gonna go home and watch it anyway, so yeah, sure." Yeah. And I'm, you know, I, I'm a, I was a huge, I'm a huge Stanhope fan, so it was kind of like, woo, you know, yeah. hanging out with you. Watch your, a comedy show with your comedy eye. Yeah, man, it was very, uh, I was, it was very cool for me. But the first thing they showed Dat Fan, and he was talking about his upbringing and stuff, and then I, I believe there were tears. You know, he was crying about he'd had it rough, you know, and uh, and Doug was like, oh, he'll win because he, he cried, and I was like, well, that's not. And then boom, he won. But also, I feel like early on that show was a little predetermined. And right. I also feel like later on that show was a little predetermined. They like 
not i i want to say not in a bad way but it's just it's it's it wasn't done as legitimately as i think it should have been done and that's not saying i should have advanced or i should be somehow further all along because of that show but like i knew for a fact there were people that were led were, were brought in and we we knew they were going to pass you know what i mean we knew oh, they were yeah, gonna get to the next round so and again it's a tv show it's a business those it's for ratings i get it um and and you know comedy is such a subjective art form that judging it is 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 comedy in itself you know what i mean oh like, yeah definitely like, i think that's why what i think is funny well, who the fuck are you like you yeah. know and even even human being a lot i mean norm mcdonald told me it looked like probably a month you know right are you there john john it says your network branded is low it's all very formulaic in hindsight oh john's back are you there oh did i go away yeah it said your, yeah. your net john's network was low are you there? Ooh, low. Okay, I, I yeah, see you see, now. I, I've got full bars. Oh, yeah, I see you now. You see me? Yeah. All right. So the last yeah, thing I, have... I remember you talking about was judging comedy is funny itself. And then, yeah. Yeah. Something about Norm MacDonald. That was the last yeah, thing he, I heard. Yeah, he was the guy. <clears throat> he had said, he had said after, uh, Anthony Jeselnik was the, the guy on the, you know with the mic was on the, the stage was the co-host yeah and you know they line you up you do first of all i did three minutes after the audience had been there since like 9 a.m and i went on at probably 8 p.m 7 p.m and it was after i was like one of the i was the first comic after like a 25 minute break everything was not ideal you know right <clears throat> and so i went out there and and i did okay you know, it, they were jokes that I felt would should have worked. Obviously, right. I chose my set according to what I was going to be doing. And it was Norm, Roseanne, and Keenan Ivory Waynes. And Norm was the, like, you know, Anthony, you stand there next to Anthony, and then they're like, you know, uh, all right, Norm, what did you think? And Norm was like, it looks like you don't even want to be here. And I wanted to say, well, you should see your face. Right. Because, like, no way was he stoked. <laughs> but, oh, no, dude. But, because but at, also... at that time, I was Norm's assistant, and I would drive him to the studio, and he would always be like, I don't want to fucking do this. And he would fall asleep during the, you know what I mean? So... Which, which, at the time, I was unaware of. And had I used my brain even <laughs> a little bit to, about my, you know, if I... If I could have used my understanding of the entertainment industry up to that point, I would have known that he was specifically brought in to say the things that the other people wouldn't say. Yeah. And good for him. Get your money. I shouldn't have cared. But right. it, it bothered me because I'm a huge Norm fan. Yeah. So I, of course, want Norm to like my comedy. 100%. I get that. But he but he didn't have anything constructive to say so in hindsight he didn't really care he probably didn't even listen right and roseanne was like i don't know what she said because i was <laughs> blacking out with rage from norm not liking my set and then keenan ivory waynes was the only one who gave me like 
advice, you know, that, that made sense. He was like, look, man, I liked your material. He disagreed with the other two judges. He goes, well, first of all, I, I disagree. I think it looks like he wants to be here. But <laughs> I, I, I think if you're only doing three minutes, tell the jokes and move on. Because I had tags, you know, and each joke had like a tag and then a tag and then a tag. And it was like too much. It was too yeah. much for three minutes. And he was he was dead on. You know what I mean? That was that was solid advice from Keenan Ivory Waynes. Yeah. Um, and again, like I said, in hindsight, you know, they're just getting paid to ju- I mean, they're getting paid to judge comedy. It's ridiculous. That's a that's a, a crazy like that was good, says you. And then this yeah. person over here is not laughing at all. You know what I mean? It's like. I think it's one of those double-edged short sword shows because one, I think it helps comedy because it gives comics who will never get on late night or anything like that legitimate TV credit, and then and, I and exposure, exposure. Yeah. Pe- mid- the middle America watches Last Comic Standing. That show is for Middle America. So when they kind of craft who gets through, it's either because they know that person will do well in those areas. Or because they think those areas should see this person. Right. Does that yeah. make sense? And yeah. I'm just, and not to like dumb it down, but like Midwest has seen its share of white guys with beards. You know, I mean, it's not like I'm a I mean, all they have to do is watch Ozark. <laughs> to see me, yeah. And other people <laughs> think I'm in uh, Cobra Kai, which I'm not. Well, you're in Cobra Kai too? No. Oh, uh. But people are convinced that there was a scene that I was in. They're like, yeah, we went and beat up uh, Johnny. I'm like, that wasn't me. Oh, I was going to say, I love Cobra Kai. (laughs) Yeah, so do I. That's how I knew it wasn't me. (laughs) You know, when the whole Will Smith thing happened, like, you you see all these comics. What happened with Will Smith? uh, He, like, slapped Chris Rock. What? Yeah. You didn't hear about this? I'm kidding. Yeah. Oh, no, you did? Okay. But uh, when this happened, everyone was making all these jokes and stuff. And I'm just thinking, oh, this is bad for Cobra Kai because Will Smith produces it, you know? Well, you can get him out of the mix in Cobra Kai. I don't think he's he's creatively influencing the show in any way. I mean, he might have been like a name. name said, yeah, sure. But now Cobra Kai is a money-making machine. You can boot him. Yeah. You don't need Will Smith's name anymore. I think it's interesting that you were a producer on the man show. Like explain to the folks at home, like what, what's that? Because like. I had worked uh, the very first season of punked at MTV. As... But you were, you were, you were a, a guy who was playing the jokes on people, right? No, I mean, I, I ended up getting into the show because yeah. I was there the whole time. And Ashton and his partner, Jason, recognized like i was also a stand-up and i was an actor and i did all those kind of things so but no i started on punked <clears throat> i started on jamie kennedy the jamie kennedy experiment right as a production assistant the people there were two or three people who were producers on jamie kennedy that went to punked to help get that off the ground and they took me with them they promoted me and i was an associate producer the girl woman who was my immediate boss the segment producer above me her name was sam brenzel she's a like a powerhouse she's a fantastic producer i learned quite a bit from her but she then got a job on the man show when we were down because you know seasons like punk ended and there was all this time before we didn't even know if it was coming back so we all had to go find different jobs yeah we kept in touch she got hired onto the man show she hired me as her ap 
associate producer. So that's what I was doing there for that last. It was it was just one season because Joe and Doug were only there for one season, and um, it was just that. Yeah. So I I mean it was fun. It was cool. I got to be around like Brian Posehn was a writer for a half a second. Like Frank um, Sebastiano was a writer on the show. Like some really big like frank used to write weekend update like there was some he also wrote know, dirty work yeah yes yeah so and then like steve Lutner, who was an snl writer um and then of course doug and joe and then i think greg fitzsimmons was there for a half a second oh. it was a rotating like bonnie mcfarlane was there tom giannis was the director kind of of the talent and comedy um and he was like you know big second city guy and and just a super smart funny dude you know so it was like it was a like, wednesday night at the comedy store well it was to me it was bigger because especially back then wednesday night at the comedy store back then was nothing it was like a dark hole but right um but it was like you know everybody had kind of grown up not grown up but like i was a fan of all these people you know what i mean it was the most yeah. It was the it was the most kind of comedy I'd worked around at one time, and 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 the talent was it, it far outweighed the final product. You know, those guys were cut off at the knees at every possible turn. You know, either by the big wigs, you know, the network execs, or by us in production saying, "Hey, we can't do this. Like, this isn't fair, safe, legal." You know, I mean, they had some really funny ideas that everything gets watered down in the end. And, you know, I don't know that Doug Stanhope is a, a you know, primetime TV kind of guy. You know, not that right. the man show was primetime, but uh, I don't think either of them were ex super excited to be there. I think it was kind of a paid vacation or at least a paid, I don't know, study hall or something. I don't know. It was like they got to be around their friends. That's the only thing I can think that. It, it seemed like the man show did lose its juice once Jimmy Kimmel left. And then maybe. Yeah, I mean, they started the show. They created the show. They built it. And then it had a, just a different vibe with Doug and Joe. They're not Jimmy and Adam. Right. You know, they're, it was a different type of man show. Yeah. They should have named it the boy show. Well, they should have just let those guys do something else, you know, because oh, right, Doug, right. Like most, I, I think most saying. of the monologues. Yeah. I think most of the monologues are the opening, the opening, the, not the cold opens. I don't know what you'd want to call them, but I think those are all written by Doug. Yeah. Or at least the majority of them, you know, straight out of kind of lifted from his stand up and his ideas, you know. Victor, you got a question for the great John Huck? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I got a couple questions. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's um, giving me the evil eyes like, Keith, shut up. I want to I ask. <laughs> Dude, I didn't, I didn't give you the evil eye, dude. Are you fucking predicting? Anyway, no. Um, John, um, uh, I have a question. So I saw you on Comedy Central's uh, This Is Not Happening. Can you talk about an incident where you got really drunk in another country? I don't want to give it away. But I wanted to ask you, um, as a storyteller, what advice would you give to a stand-up comedian who's beginning to tell stories on stage well <laughs> um that that germany story is what it's called on my album it's called the germany story so you're not giving anything away by saying where i was but 
that story <laughs> just happened to like that happened to me. And then I came back to the States and I went to visit some friends at the school that I went to in Northern Wisconsin, or I had gone to, I'd graduated already. And as I was at the bar with a couple of them, one guy was like, Hey, how was Europe? You know, how, how, how was it over there? I go, Oh man, you want to hear something crazy that happened to me in Germany? And he was like, yeah. And by the end of that story, because I was, I, I just, I told him that story as like how it happened, how I remembered it, how it played out, every detail that I could remember, which was still very fresh, because it was like it had happened like a week and a half earlier at that point, you know. <laughs> By the end of me telling that story, I was sort of standing up on my stool, like the rungs of the stool, and like the rest of the bar was listening, and this dude was like crying. So I was like, oh, that was like sort of my first inkling that maybe I could turn some of this dumb shit I've done into comedy. Because a friend of mine, when it happened to me, the guy, one of the guys I was traveling with was like, yeah, I wouldn't tell anyone that. And I think that would be my advice <laughs> is that learn, be as honest as you can be. Because there are people that are embarrassed by, I mean, and as we should be, like, the, you know, embarrassed by the dumb shit that we do. But at the same time, there's humor to be found in it. And if you can be honest with who you are and like admit your shortcomings or admit your mistakes and, and not have to be, um, I don't want to say the hero, but you know, not have to come out looking like the golden child or anything, you know, it's like, I guess honesty is, is what I, is what I would say is, is be as honest as you can. And, and then as you're learning, you're getting your voice, you're on stage, you're starting out, you're telling stories. Um, be honest, but and then know when to like throw something in here and there, embellish a little bit, or you know, but don't overdo that and try to make the story as real and relatable because you want people to laugh and either think, at least for me, I want people to laugh and go, okay, well, at least I'm not that guy, yeah. you know, or or, or like <laughs> I, I've done, I've done, I've I've done some stuff that dumb, you know, like. I've done a, a couple of AA rooms, uh, stand up, you know, and uh, I used to do Mick Bencourt used to have this room at, called Radford Hall. It was this really nice hall. It was a massive AA meeting. And then they would have comedy afterwards. And the first time I did it, I was like, hey, Mick, I don't know, man. All my stories are about like pissing my pants and drinking and drugs. And he goes, yeah, I know. That's why you're here, dude. Get out there. And they, Loved they it. love that humor. They too. love it, dude, because uh, they have been to rock bottom, and that's why they're in AA. Uh -huh. And they they have seen and done crazier and weirder shit. So to hear somebody else do it and be able to turn it into funny, I mean, that's and in no way would I ever compare myself to Richard Pryor. But that's the beauty of what Richard Pryor does. What he is so honest with his storytelling, and he puts himself out there, and he is the person he's talking about. Yeah, some like one of the better compliments I've gotten is, "Oh, you're a lot. You're like almost the same as you are on stage, off stage." It's like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing a character when I'm up there. I'm me. I'm just trying to talk about things that I know, I feel, I think, I like. Um, do you, yeah, do you... I, I, I'd say honesty would be my. Be as honest as you can. Don't be afraid to look like a, a complete idiot. Um, and then you know, 
work on the stories, like tell them over and over again. It's kind of like, you ever seen Reservoir Dogs? Yeah, yeah. When they make Tim Roth, he makes Tim Roth learn that story about going to the commode with the drugs. So it's like everything just comes off supernatural, you know? And uh, it's kind of like that. It's like, just tell your friends over and over. You know, I mean, I wrote that story out a bunch of times. I said, wait, you wrote that Boy. movie? No, the story, oh, the story oh, that, I... that the Germany story. Yeah, oh, I wrote I Reservoir I Dogs. Oh, yeah. I wrote I Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> 106. <laughs> I was like, holy Lord, man. I'm finding all this interesting stuff. Ozark, yes. you wrote that Cobra movie. Cobra Kai, Reservoir Dogs. I was in The Godfather, <laughs> Apocalypse Now. I was Quint in Jaws. <laughs> I was the alien in ET. Did you ever see that movie? Yeah, I'm so I was the glad stunt we were friends. The very end. If we were friends, I think you'd hit me by now. <laughs> but no, John, I wanted to ask you. Like, uh, I, I agree with you on the honestly thing, but do you, do you think like because when you do stand up, like I could tell when I, I I see other comics, I could tell comics who are not being honest in the stories they say, like they make up where you know that never happened to them. You know what I mean? And I don't know if it's just because I have Asperger's and I could tell, but I think it's, I think it's a cheap way to try and get a laugh when people try and do that. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not my style. Yeah. You know, I do know people who, you know, I've seen comics who are full on just telling jokes, meaning they'll tell a joke about themselves and their girlfriend in that same set. They'll tell a joke about themselves, not having a girlfriend. Yeah. In that same set, they'll tell a joke about their wife In that same set. They'll tell, you know, it's like, they're clearly just doing that for comedic effect and just telling jokes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think they're trying to pass those stories off as themselves. I do know people who just, you know, write interesting stories and will and will use them on stage. Um, I think I like to think that I can tell too, but if you go to that, this is not happening on YouTube and you go like seven comments down in the comment section, it's one guy like fake never happened. And like, you know, there are people that think my story is fake. Right. I don't know how I would write something like that or even conceive of doing something like that and thinking, oh, this would be a good story. Like to me, it wouldn't have been a good story if it wasn't real. There'd yeah. be no way I would have never created that. There'd be no way for me to think, what if I had drank so much that it had to poop and I went into an alley and then I walked out of that alley with no pants. And then it's like, I, I, I wouldn't have come up with that without doing it. It's too, too dumb of a story. Unless no, it happened in real life, there's no way it would make sense on stage to me. And, and I think like, that's why, that story particular but like uh, you know i know you have a lot of other stories like i oh, think yeah. like dumb dumb no but i think like that's what makes your humor so honest is because even though it's it's a quirky story it they actually happened so that's how you could pull it off and like these guys who comment fake it's like they they don't know what actually happened and you're telling what happened you know what i mean yeah and and also you know I don't, I don't know what I was going to say. I, I think I was going to try to say that. Uh, I, I think you're going to say, Keith, I love you very much. Well, that was, I was saving that for the end, but yeah, let's throw that in the middle. <laughs> but, ju but just the idea, like, even, you know, if fake or not fake, it's like, 
you know, some people aren't amazing storytellers, but they're great joke tellers. Right. I, you know, most of what I do, like if I'm doing a longer set, if I'm headlining, it usually starts out with some quick, quicker jokes, but I set myself up to kind of have everything sort of turn back on me so that everyone is like, I never try to come off as better than the audience unless right. it's clearly part of the joke, you know? Um, and then by the end, I can sort of make fun of other people without it being like, who does this guy think he is? I mean, get right. a load of him, you know, because they've already heard who I think I am. They're yeah. like, well, he thinks he's an idiot. So here's another group of people that, you know, he's that are probably better than him, but he's mad at or whatever it is, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm making any sense at this point, but I had a point to make about the storytelling and people thinking it's fake, but I can't remember what it is because it really, it doesn't matter. I mean, as long as, you know, there are great actors who are great comedians who can sell it, you know, and if you can sell it and the audience doesn't, doesn't feel that it's fake, then, you know. You know, it's interesting you said that about the actors. Do you, do you think like, because I feel standups, standup comedians can be great actors, but I feel actors aren't ever going to be good standups. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I wouldn't say ever, but of 99.9%, .9%, I'm in total agreement with you. I mean, the, the, my dad told me this a long time ago, but when you see like Jackie Gleason, like I watched a lot of Honeymooners as a kid because it was on reruns. My dad had some on film, but there's a movie called Soldier in the Rain that he did with Steve McQueen. Right. And it's a, there's comedic stuff in it, but it's a dramatic movie. And Jackie Gleason's character is dramatic. And I'm like, holy cow, what a great actor he is. You know, he can do comedy and drama. And my dad was like, well, he was funny first, and then he could do drama. Whereas the other way around doesn't always translate. Like Christian Bale can't be in like, dude, where's my car to? You know right. what I mean? Like there's just no... There, and that's not to say it doesn't exist like john lithgow can be deadly serious and then very funny but i think first and foremost he's a funny guy who can pull off the deadly serious you know yeah i think it doesn't if you're if you're a dramatic actor but you're not a funny person you can, i don't think any kind of acting training is going to set you up to be good in comedy yeah you know whereas people who are funny and comedic turn to dramatic roles all the time you know one of one of the one of the things i had always kind of thought would be interesting is if chris farley had been able to make that fatty arbuckle movie because yeah. that would have been a very dramatic role and i think farley would have knocked it out of the park you know yeah. like jim carrey can be dramatic you know what i mean it's a, there's a it's almost like there's there's a darkness on a lot of comedians that that uh they can bring out for dramatic roles well, it's also like Tom Hanks, you know, he's now known for being drama, but in the beginning Dude, of his career, he was one Bosom of the Buddies, yeah. Bachelor Party, the first like six times he hosted SNL. It was like, I mean, to but, me, the Saturday Night Live thing cemented that guy as a comedic legend. Oh, yeah. But, but he was also in these hilarious movies. Like even the man with one red shoe is like, it, it's it's comedic, you know? Yeah. And then, like, my, my dad asked me, he's like, hey, what happened to Tom Hanks? Because he used to be so funny, and now he's, he's not funny. And I was like, here's what happened to Tom Hanks. He met Barry Sobel. 
But I think Tom Hanks is still funny. What does Barry yeah. Sobel have to do with it? Well, no, because Barry Sobel took his funny away. You know what I mean? He's like, yeah. <laughs> Victor, you got any last second questions for the great John Huck? Uh, yeah, I have a question. Um, so you've done Just for Laughs and you've had some recordings. And I was wondering, um, do you have any advice for anyone who's auditioning who is super nervous or any pointers or pre-rituals or pre-performance rituals or anything? You know, I I don't. I, I feel like the advice I would want to give would be don't get too hung up on that stuff. Like, don't, don't, like, the TV spots are nice, you know? They kind of add a validity to what you're doing. They can show you, hey, look, Mom, I'm doing something, you know? Uh, but comedy is really not about that, you know? If you can keep getting into rooms and getting on stage and connecting with an audience, then, then you're doing it. And I feel like not, people shouldn't put such, emphasis or they shouldn't stress out so hard about tv spots i'd like to say just treat them like they're any other spot but i'm also i'd be lying if i said that's what i did you know i remember when i did live at gotham which was a thousand years ago at this point i was very nervous it was gonna be my first tv spot you know it was 10 minutes they were gonna cut it down um i wanted certain jokes in for sure i wasn't sure how to make sure they all got in and I was sort of sweating in the green room. And then I think Kyle Kinane walked in, flipped open a cooler, cracked a beer. And he was like, hey, why lie about how we got here? And I was like, dude, thank you. And like, it took him to sort of put me at ease, you know? And I don't think he was, that's what he was trying to do. He was just being himself. But it, I like Kyle and I, I, feel, I was like, oh, okay, all right. If he's being calm, I can be calm, you know? And that sort of took the edge off for me. So. I would, I would say if you can bring a friend who makes you comfortable and you're doing a TV spot or you're auditioning somewhere, just try to have fun before you're going on so it carries onto the stage. So And not in a way like drink 15 beers, but like you're, you're in a good mood already. Don't don't sit and just freak out about what you're going to do. Like It's important to be rehearsed and know what you're, you want to do. But before you go on, just be as loose as you can and like not put too much stress on yourself. Because in the end, it's it's out of your control. Even if you have the best set of your life, that doesn't mean that the people are going to go, mm, that's the right person for this, or, or we want this person to do this. It doesn't, you never know. So all you can do is what you do. And then you, it's in the hands of somebody else. Yeah. That, that's why Victor, if you ever get like a, like a TV set thing, you should never bring Barry Sobel with you. What is all this Barry Sobel hate? I like Barry. <laughs> no, did you ever see punchline? <laughs> Oh, okay. You're going off the movie. I'm like, what did Barry ever do to Tom Hanks? Like, <laughs> how did I miss that? Like, I literally just saw Barry the other day. <laughs> it's like, I would have been like, hey, man, back off Tom Hanks, dude. Keith's dad doesn't think he's funny anymore. Um, yeah, that, your reference was lost on me, by the way. I forgot all about that movie. <laughs> But, uh, John, I wanted to say that I, I love you and thank you for doing this, man. Oh, man. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, uh, 
In a way, I'm kind of glad we did it over Zoom because I have COVID and I wouldn't want to. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, me too. Me and Victor are glad we did it this way as well. I'm, yeah, yeah. Very glad. Well, let's yeah. get into a tight, confined space and then open mouth <laughs> kiss before the thing. And then let's go back to LA Talk Radio and uh, hey, make sure you have COVID. That's when get in this glass to... bubble together. Uh, John, where can the folks at home follow and support you? Uh, if you go to my website, johnhuck.me, M-E, J-O-N-H-U-C-K, dot me, uh, it's got my dates for uh, coming up in the Midwest. I'm going to be in Wisconsin, Chicago, Southern Illinois, uh, and Minneapolis, and I got some Northern California dates at the end of May, and then my the rest of my year will fill out after that. But I would say the website is probably the best way to follow me and figure out what's going on. All right. Well, everyone follow John Huck, guys. John, thanks for being here. Subscribe, rate, review to the show, and we'll see you guys next week. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible, doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo if you would like to chat with me there. www.stereo.com slash Keith And on Cameo, www.cameo.com slash Keith If you enjoyed the show, please send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it, and we'll rift with you again soon.